I think, you know, in, in recent days, uh, the trend is actually accelerating. So within traditional sectors such as financials, uh, insurance, uh, industrials, um, and commodities and all that, and transportation, you know, they are really coming back in, in, in a big way. So I'm not surprised to see, I wouldn't be surprised to see the trend continue, but then at the same time, you know, because of the reason momentum has been particularly strong, um, you know, there could be a technical force somewhere, uh, but I think the trend is very clear. How it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming onto the programme this morning. That's Hao Hong, uh, Head of Research and Chief Strategist at Bocom International. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets this morning. Uh, the SX200 down nine points. That's about 0.1%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up a third of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to rise about 0.2% at the open. Gold right now at $1,810 an ounce. And Brent crude oil trading at $48.93 a barrel. There's no money talk tomorrow. Instead, from 8 to 9, it'll be your chance to put questions to Hong Kong Chief Secretary Matthew Jung about this year's policy address. Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings will be hosting. I'll be back on Monday with Money Talk. Just before I go, the weather forecast, dry during the day, maximum temperature is going to be about 28 degrees, and the outlook is for it to remain fine and dry in the next couple of days, but become progressively cooler. And the temperature right now is 22 degrees, 83% relative humidity. It's 8.32, Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. The chairwoman of the New People's Party, Regina Ip, says yesterday's policy address contained little to address Hong Kong's immediate problems relating to the pandemic and disaffected youth. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, herself admitted Hong Kong's problems weren't fully resolved, with the current lull in social unrest possibly a byproduct of the coronavirus and social distancing measures. Ms Ip told RTHK she thought the government hadn't had the time to work out how to win back the hearts and minds of young people. There's no immediate relief for those devastated by COVID other than the anti-epidemic funds already approved. For young people, there is very little. Just going back to the voluntary self-recommendation scheme for joining government boards and committees and subsidies for work in the Greater Bay Area. So for large numbers of young people who have suffered the cleavage in last year's conflict, and whose learning opportunities and job opportunities have been severely damaged by last year's riots and this year's epidemic. Not much is said to help them. A tourism professor says he's encouraged by plans announced in the policy address to revitalise the Southern District. It includes the Jumbo Floating Restaurant in Aberdeen being donated to Ocean Park to run as a heritage and tourism attraction. The restaurant closed in March amid the pandemic. Professor Brian King from Polytechnic University's School of Tourism praised the vision of connecting landmarks in Southside but said it would be a challenge. They're not talking about, you know, big physical developments for tourists. I think it's more community assets. And I think that the local residents in Aberdeen need to embrace what's being proposed. And I think there's enough in there for locals to see this can improve quality of life. It can connect up with Lama Islands, with the waterfront, with the nice visual backdrops and have good recreational cultural facilities. So I think that language of tourism, which takes us away from coach tour groups and more towards how Hong Kongers have embraced staycations, that's exactly the reset we should be doing now. 
Argentina has declared three days of mourning for arguably its most famous son, Diego Maradona. One of football's all-time greats died after suffering a heart attack aged 60. Maradona led Argentina to World Cup glory in 1986 when minutes after the infamous Hand of God goal against England, he scored what many regarded as the goal of the century. Trevor Stephen was an England footballer who played opposite Maradona in that game. When he picked it up, he was just like so slick and fast across, which was a very difficult terrain. I mean, the pitch was bobbly and it was the grass was quite long. And the strength that he showed as well, you know, because the game was played at altitude, 9,000 feet above sea level, 100 degrees centigrade in midday sunshine. He just went on from there to cement his genius, you know, in the minds of fans, but also in, in the players that he played against. His aura became bigger and wider. Maradona was the greatest footballer in his history. Argentina's government says Maradona's body will lie in state at the presidential palace for three days. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about the policy address and the issue of foreign judges in the Court of Final Appeal. Carrie Lamb declared yesterday that restoring Hong Kong's constitutional order and political system from chaos is one of her urgent priorities, saying the city had experienced its most severe political challenges since 1997 in the past year. In a more than two-hour speech, she said the government has found all of the 330 hectares of land required to meet demand for public housing in the next 10 years, and she would not give up on the plan to develop Lantau. Among other initiatives, they plan to give companies up to $18,000 a month for every fresh local graduate they recruit to work in the Greater Bay Area. This is a measure to help solve employment problems for young people. Well, what do you think of this year's policy address? What caught your eye, if anything? Will it relaunch Hong Kong? What effect will it have on you personally? Let us know. You can email backchat at rth. You can comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266. We look forward to hearing from you. And after 9.15, we're going to be talking Professor to Professor Jerome Cohen about uh, his view on the uh, UK's six-monthly report on Hong Kong and their suggestion to review arrangements for foreign judges or British judges sitting in Hong Kong's Court of Final Appeal. We want to hear your thoughts on that as well. Joining us for our first topic, uh, we have now... Uh, Ryan Yip, who's Head of Land and Housing Research at the Our Hong Kong Foundation. Uh, Kenneth Lung, the former accountancy sector lawmaker. And Professor Linda Lee, Professor of uh, Political Science from the Department of Public Policy at City University. Uh, Linda Lee, maybe if we start with you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, you, your overall thoughts, first of all, on the, on the policy address. It was very long. It's more than three times as long as, as, as her previous policy addresses. Why that, why that change? What do you think you, we learn from that? Um, well, I think um, Mrs. Lam has a daunting challenge, you know, on the one hand to, uh, uh, you know, uh, she wants to persuade or convince the central government that she's not now doing her job, okay, and she's loyal to the gov- uh, to to central government, and that's why you know um, a quite lengthy uh, you know content has been ex- explicitly on that part, and also uh, reinstating um, you know uh, how you know uh, uh, Hong Kong APL government and also uh, herself uh, has now. Um, have new, uh, new, new. Uh, I think um, her understanding, okay, of, of uh, how one country's two system 
um, should be implemented. I so so that 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 needs some space, right? And then on the other hand, of obviously, she needs to detail her plan for Hong Kong and and especially, you know, uh, issues on uh, the COVID nineteen, you know, and all this housing and land issues and livelihood and welfare and of course, you know, so these are uh, actually the the things that the central government uh, uh, has pressed her. Uh, and her government to deliver uh, more urgently, so that that I think that that accounts for a more like lengthy policy address. Mm. What struck you among the actual plans then? What do you think was that was concrete that was delivered? Um, I, I think a lot of people have uh, comment on the details part of it. I, I won't. I don't want to repeat on that. Um, I think the important thing that um, I, I think for Hong Kong. Uh, oh. uh, at this very critical juncture is that um, uh, quite rightly, I think um, uh, the, the, the biggest uh, challenge for Hong Kong is actually uh, one country, two system, right? You know, how, how this, how this uh, imaginative uh, vision uh, first proposed by Mr. Deng Xiaoping um, to enable, uh, uh, you know, uh, reunification, okay, um, uh, in the 1980s, okay, when it was first proposed. How how this vision uh, can 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 be can can continue basically okay so because um, having this vision requires not only uh, 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 reiteration of pledge by the central government of course that that is that is essential um, but uh, and on this point uh, the central government has has done it okay on 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 record they have said it a, a, a few times at least. Um, since two, 2019, okay, actually, since this outbreak of the social unrest in Hong Kong, they, they said that, um, yes, they still want the one country, two system to, to proceed. And then uh, with the national security law uh, in place this year, they also they said it again, okay. But, but, but having them uh, 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 reiterating the pledge is not sufficient because it requires the international community, let alone Hong Kong people, uh, okay, uh, to 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 firmly believe in the vision. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that that's the that's the major challenge uh, that are uh, facing not only Beijing but in particular Hong Kong because Hong Kong is the venue of uh, uh, where you know everybody is looking at uh, how, what is happening to Hong Kong, and and so um, uh, of course what's happening in Hong Kong, Beijing has a big role to play. Um, but you know, when you think from the perspective of Beijing, they would say, "Well, this is your place, right?" They they, they would tell our chief executive uh, that this 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 is in your hand, all right? You 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 at the end of it, you know, we want you to in charge. So please deliver, okay? Please deliver and and convince the rest of the world that we are serious, okay? We we just don't want certain things, okay? Those those certain things. Um, well, we are unhappy to see those certain things. So, uh, uh, so, but, but on, by and large, we still want one country to system. So, I think you know uh, that that is the biggest challenge um, that uh, we, we are facing. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, do you think the uh, the, the, factor, uh, the trust factor uh, can be enhanced by this policy address? I mean, like sending kids up to uh, work in the Greater Bay areas, uh, subsidizing companies and stuff like that. Yeah. You mean those those those, those policies? Those can, yeah, those policies can help with that challenge. To mean? regain the trust trust matters that you just mentioned. Oh, 
Um, yes and no, okay. Uh, certainly those uh, we can help to regain, first of all, um, um, uh, that, that would score some points, you know, uh, from the perspective of uh, central government, because they, they would think that, oh, okay, now um, Hong Kong as their government is rolling out some specific measures, right? Because often we heard um, uh, criticisms, you know, coming from from mainland um, uh, with that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hong Kong government talked too much but acted too little, okay? And, and then, uh, so, so those would, uh, to some extent, would, would, would say that, okay, we, we are rolling out measures. And obviously, some parts of Hong Kong uh, uh, residents, you know, they 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 would welcome that, and, and so so that that helped to some extent. Um, but um, I think we we require so so that that's why you know um, uh, I, I, what I'm saying, you know, why why the policy address is so lengthy because it, it needs to detail these kind of measures, okay, and it also needs the political part talk about how to manage the the overall framework. I think it's on the overall framework part. I think that we also need some other specific measures. Uh, I think I, I, I talk about this uh, on uh, uh, some previous session in this program. Uh, for instance, um, uh, on the one hand, you know, uh, the central government doesn't like to see certain things happening uh, 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 in the past, okay? So that's why they draw the red line and then raise the threshold of the red line. Um, officially, okay, officially, that's, so that's laid down in the law and some NPP decisions. But I think on the other hand, uh, how to implement uh, them and then in the future, you know, that is how to interpret the lie, how to really enforce, and the way you enforce them, I think that 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 would also uh, be important um, and, and, and tell and send a very strong message to the rest of the world that what kind of Hong Kong uh, are we now expecting for 2021 and 2022 and beyond? Um, so that that is actually a delicate balance. Okay. So in, in, in other words, in, you know, if we if we um, uh, observe, you know, uh, Chinese politics more closely, uh, in fact, you know, you see how the how the how the how the other how the other countries, okay, how the other government deals with will deals with China. You see that they are they are they are practicing uh, uh, strategic ambiguity. All right. Uh, so so President Trump uh, seems to want to get rid of it, but now I think it's coming back. Okay, and it's now coming back. So I think um, uh, we I think Hong Kong is actually at the eye of the storm. Uh, so we need uh, even more more uh, more wisdom. Okay. Uh, in, in doing this. Right. A, a couple of comments for, from listeners on Facebook. TC says, I can't think of another place where it's official policy to encourage citizens to build their lives and careers outside its territory. This includes mainland China. That comes uh, from TC. And uh, Matthew says, one word to describe the CE's policy speech yesterday, dystopian. But that's hardly surprising. What is, what is a surprise is that the moronic pro-Beijing legislators have still not fully understood the nature of the roles they've sold their souls for. The one function of a legislator in a sham legislature like the MPC or LegCo is to sit attentively for two to three hours with their head over a piece of white paper studiously taking notes while the leader drones on. That's it. Nothing more to the job. It's disturbing that the only one smart enough to get this was Junius. 
That's from uh, Matthew. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Uh, Ryan Ip from uh, our Hong Kong Foundation, Head of Land and uh, Housing Research. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. With your interest, what, what caught your eye in the policy address? What did you make of it? I think there are actually uh, three highlights uh, on the policy address, uh, as well as, uh, you know, on, on the part of land and housing is concerned. Um, I would say actually this is a very tricky it is a very tricky policy address to comment, uh, at least on uh, on the part of land and housing, because on the face of it, uh, we we don't see uh, it, it. It doesn't seem that there is a lot of concrete plans uh, that is say, like the past couples of years, saying that the government found you know how many hectares of land here and you know which can provide how many uh, housing units there, but um, if you would take a look at more details on its wordings. Um, you can actually see, uh, I would see actually there are two highlights. First is uh, it actually put a lot more focuses on the infrastructure. Um, it is quite surprising that um, on the first paragraph of the land supply section, uh, it talks about a railway line. It talks about the northern link, right? It's uh, which is a, uh, a, a railway line that links between the east rail and also the uh, e, uh, the west rail on the north, um, and that is a very important link because uh, if you do it, it will actually uh, release the development potentials of a lot of the lands in the northern. New territories. According to the government, uh, it would uh, uh, it, it would provide uh, seventy thousand housing units uh, along the line, which is uh, four times the uh, the, the size of Taiku Sheng. And I think that is quite important, and uh, that the government has committed to a infrastructure-led development, which we have been advocating. Uh, quite strongly in the past few years, uh, because um, uh, 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 having having enough infrastructure is the prerequisite of um, of, uh, of 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 finding of of providing enough land supply, uh, especially uh, in the new territories. And coming to the, coming back to that northern thing is a, it has actually been proposed back in twenty years ago. Uh, and uh, the fact that it has been delayed uh, by 20 years, meaning that it it is not an easy task to go on. And rumors saying that the MTL doesn't want to do it because they think it's not viable co commercially on these operations. And but the fact that the uh, uh, the CAE finally put that into the policy address and uh, commit to uh, start it uh, as soon as possible, it actually tells. Something. Okay. And the other thing, or things? And the other thing is, uh, I actually put a lot more focuses back on the large-scale development. Because if you look at the past year's policy address, uh, you, you will see a lot of, you know, scattered sites. You know, you, you have uh, 20 hectares here from then, from then rezoning. You have 100 hectares there uh, from the brownfields. Um, but if you look at this year's policy address, it put more focus back into large-scale development. For example, 
uh, the two moon west development which we have proposed before and also you know the land town tomorrow vision and also the uh, reinvigorating island south uh, the, we think these kind of you know comprehensive uh, uh, development projects are exactly what we need uh, in the long term so uh, for these two points I, I, I think that we, we, we actually see a um, directional change yeah, but uh, what from about, the government. But what about the implementation? So it's like, like point one is about the railway, right? I used to be like a Chumon district councillor. I mean, it's very controversial when it down, goes down to public consultations and people are just having very, very different views. Then how can you implement that? I think, um, right, implementation is hard and it is also one of the reasons that why a lot of these uh, large-scale infrastructures has been uh, on hold for the past 10 20 years so uh, implementation is uh, uh, a difficult part and i think for that the government has to first of all uh, 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 take into the considerations of different stakeholders you know they will need to uh, communicate uh, frequently with those uh, local residents and but most of all the government has to put up a concrete plans because uh, what we have been seeing in the past is there are a lot of talking here and a lot of talking there, but actually not a lot of talk, not a lot of concrete plans that the government has put out. As long as you have the concrete plans, the gov the, the people can um, have more basis or have the facts to uh, discuss on. Okay, well, we will come back back to you later, Mr. Yip. But let's bring in now Kenneth Lung, former accountancy sector lawmaker. Mr. Lung, good morning to you. Morning. Uh, your thoughts, first of all. I mean, just your reflections on you know the the watching this yeah. unfold in, in legislative council. There are a lot of measures, two hundred odd measures, but there is no clear direction or focus. And of course, the main theme of the policy address is driving ahead with renewed perseverance. But I think you need to build up the trust and confidence of the people after all these uh, you know months of anti-government uh, activities in order to to gather. Uh, the confidence of the people. That is one thing. I don't think uh, Caroline has addressed it. And the second theme coming out from this policy address is we are looking or relying a lot on GBA and, you know, uh, including measures encouraging our young people to work to find jobs in the GBA or setting up enterprises in the GBA. I'm not against it. I support that. But GBA is a big market. But if Hong Kong is going to be a hub then I think it is the market which which, which matters. No matter where you're working, I, we want to retain our talent within Hong Kong uh, to build up our uh, competitive edge, and then we, you know, sell a product or service in the GBA. And I, I, I don't see how by relocating talent the people in, in GBA can help Hong Kong in the long run. And the third observation is that we have our two systems, and and we we cannot see our uniqueness. In this, uh, you know, policy address, we we are always a springboard uh, for companies from the international, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, multinationals uh, to to invest in China or helping uh, Chinese companies uh, to go abroad. So where is this role in in the long run? And uh, I think this is a, a kind of stop go measures in order uh, to. Um, you know, fix the COVID-19, you know, pandemic issues, and also uh, a lot of these little measures to address more uh, urgent needs of the society for the next year or so. But I do really want to see 
is a blueprint, a roadmap under which Hong Kong can really go forward in the next five or ten years. And we should be using our uniqueness, uh, the two systems, which will be a role model for the rest of the world. Uh, what about uh, the accounting sector? Because it used to be the accounting uh, like accounting Well, I, I think we've been doing quite fine with the um, accountancy and consultancy work we, we've been doing in, 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 in China because a lot of our colleagues are mm. going into China uh, to have all sorts of due diligence or mm. consultancy audit work. But now I think what we are facing is the COVID-19 situation whereby I think a lot of our colleagues will have to station under quarantine uh, situation. Um, of course, there are also measures to encourage other types of professionals, including lawyers, engineers, uh, you know, surveyors, to work in the GBA, which is not new. Um, I have said GBA is a big market, and not just Hong Kong with this market. A lot of other countries want a piece of this you know, uh, market. But, but of course, we are in a better position because of proximity, because of the politics. But apart from the economic side or the financial service side, I think what we need to address is the confidence and trust of the Hong Kong people uh, in this situation after you know, more than a year of uh, you know uh, so-called you know uh, activities which are well in, in Carrie Lam's eyes are anti-government. Now at least we, we we don't have anything to address. For example. Um, what they've been talking about is an independent uh, commission of inquiry. Of course, Carrie Lam said that, okay, we, we cannot find the right people to chair, even chair a commission. Okay, if there's no such a commission, how about a uh, conciliation commission? How about um, plans to reform the police complaint system? How about plans to retrain uh, the police officers to enhance the training, to enhance the ethics? How about the cases? Of course, this is subject to a um, judicial you know, case now. How about displaying um, uh, the number of the, the policemen in, in public when they are you know, carrying on duties? Um, in the public place. Well, I, I think no. I think, Mr. Lang, what, what the what the administration might say is that, well, I mean, the, the chief executive did include uh, that measure whereby the the police would would uh, be a little bit softer uh, towards young people uh, and wouldn't necessarily prosecute people, uh, uh, young people, uh, if they accepted that they'd uh, done wrong, uh, and also that if you're going to re really regain the trust by restoring uh, the uh, by restoring our life in in Hong Kong by restoring the life which has been affected by by the riots, by the by COVID, and by the economic problems, and so those are the those are the priorities to to uh, get back on normal tracks, and then the trust will follow. Well, I think these are you know the necessities, of course, but they are the deeper problem which you cannot you know just brush it away because those incidents have happened in Yunlong, in in other places, and. One thing is, I think but but I think she also made the point that that if if those if, if those uh, problems are based on a belief that Hong Kong would be better being independent, then she can't offer no, any. No, 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 but I say that is it's there's no reconciliation there. She's got to make that very clear. No, no, from no, the no. reconciliation is necessary because I don't think I'm, many people say Hong Kong should be independent. It's not. I don't think so because it's a deep frustration because we want a truly one country, two system as you know, envisaged by, by the basic law, which is a very bold experiment, of course. And the, the frustration of the young people, not just what 
It's about uh, the job opportunities. It's about their personal aspiration. It's about their personal freedom as well. So under one country, two system, there are still a lot of things Hong Kong um, can do, uh, which I I think um, why we treasure the system. So I I, I think the economy needs to be fixed. The COVID nineteen pandemic needs to be fixed. But also you have to cure the the heart of the young people. Because they, they see that sometimes, I mean, the police are, are, are quite, you know, irrational in handling um, some of the incidences. So, so these things you need to look into and cannot be just brushed aside. I agree with you, there are priorities that need to be addressed, but you cannot just brush something aside and saying that, okay, we have done this and we have fixed everything. And the second issue which I have reiterated in this conversation is that how is Hong Kong going forward? The one country, two system need to be seen to, uh, to the world as working properly, even after the national security law is imposed. That is very important. And there are still a lot of skepticisms, of course, um, amongst the international community at this stage. But I think with more, you know, uh, enforcement, you know, issue addressed and with more clearer court judgments, I, I hope at the end of the day, will come up you know, stronger and more vibrant. Okay. That is our hope. But um, you cannot ignore the uh, wish and um, the frustration of the young people these right. days. Well, Mr. Lung, thanks for joining us. Kenneth Lung, the former accountancy sector lawmaker. Thank you very much to uh, Professor Linda Lee as well, Professor of Political Science at the Department of Public Policy at City University. We're going to continue the discussion after the news, uh, which is uh, just coming up in 30 seconds. And we're also going to be talking to Professor Jerome Cohen about uh, his thoughts on uh, foreign judges on the Court of Final Appeal. Uh, the weather before the news, fine, dry, maximum temperature up to 28 degrees today. And the outlook fine and dry in the next couple of days. We're, and because Coming progressively cooler. 23 degrees now, humidity is at 78%. This back chat on a Thursday morning. Now, tomorrow uh, we have a special programme. It will be between 8 and 9, so a little bit earlier. Uh, and we will have uh, in our studios the Chief Secretary, Matthew Chung, and he will be there to answer your questions, uh, your chance to uh, talk to the uh, 2IC uh, of the uh, Hong Kong government and put your views, your thoughts on the uh, policy address uh, to him directly, to chat with him. And uh, you can do so by calling the usual number, 233-88266, As ever, please get your calls in early because we always get a big lump at the end and then we can't get through. Not very many people can get through uh, in the last sort of uh, 15 minutes or, or so. So... So uh, do uh, call early, 233-88266 for a phone-in with the Chief Secretary on the Chief Executive's uh, policy address between 8 and 9, so a little bit earlier. Um, tomorrow, that'll be with uh, Danny Gettings and myself, uh, Hugh Chiverton. Nixie Lamb is uh, with us now uh, as we continue our discussion on the policy address. Later, we're going to be talking to Professor Jerome Cohen. Uh, about uh, his thoughts on the issue of foreign judges in the Court of Foreign Appeal and the uh, comments made by the uh, British government in their latest six-monthly report on uh, Hong Kong, especially legal aspects of that. Uh, once again, we want to hear from you, bankchat.rthk.hk. Bruce on Facebook says, how come nothing in this about this report from RTHK, or maybe I missed it, and he refers to a story from Hong Kong Free Press as a link about uh, a UK expert uh, who says that uh, the Hong Kong police lost credibility during the protests due to completely inept decisions. 
um, the UK expert being uh, Clifford Stott, who was one of those uh, originally appointed to the uh, IPCC uh, 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 commission uh, when they were looking at the uh, protests uh, last year, one of those uh, who resigned, uh, as I recall. Uh, we've got a comment from Matthew. Uh, who says, this morning's back chat panel is as exciting and engaging as the CE's speech. Uh, why is Nixie so quiet and restrained in the last couple of programmes? It's much more fun when she's natural and gets fired up. <laughs> That's uh, a request from, from uh, Matthew. Uh, Jim says, at a time when Hong Kong urgently needs an opposition party in Lejko to question Mrs Lam's policy address, it's gone absent without leave. It's bewildering how the Democrats have let their followers down and given the establishment the freedom to do what it pleases. That comes uh, from Jim. Jay says, This woman seems to think all people in Hong Kong want to go into the construction industry and all girls are going to be shop assistants or waitresses for the tourist industry. Is she missing something? She obviously doesn't want manufacturing business in Hong Kong because she wants to build housing on industrial go-downs. She obviously wants to make the health service worse with respiratory problems from construction. And she doesn't want the skilled people here because she wants to send them all to China. And as we've seen with Disneyland and Ocean Park, it will become an expensive place, not for the poor people in Hong Kong. It would be more important with an infrastructure project like a salination plant for drinking water, a power plant run on solar or wind or sea, and it would bring skilled people back to Hong Kong. Knock down Sham Shui Po and build a humongous electronic components hub. Then Hong Kong could prosper. What is this woman and her government thinking? Because she's not talking and listening to the right people. That comes uh, from Jay. S says, if Carrie is so concerned about the economy and riots, she can easily solve the problem by stepping down. Regarding the housing supply, is the mention of the Brownfield site just a preemptive ticket to Lantau tomorrow? There should be conditions attached that no consultation about Lantau tomorrow should begin until all the Brownfields are taken back and planned for redevelopment. That is uh, from S. And Anthony says, if in the policy address youngsters are subsidised to get a job in the UK and the US, I think more Hong Kong people will like such offers. That comes uh, from uh, Anthony. Backchat.rthk.hk is our email address. We're joined, uh, as in the first half, by uh, Ryan Ip, Head of Land and Housing Research at the Our Hong Kong Foundation. I mean, one, one eye-catching thing was that uh, uh, announcement that the government has got enough land, or found enough land for public housing for the, uh, for the next 10 years. Um, doesn't that mean, if we've got enough land for public housing for the next 10 years, doesn't that take the urgency out of the Lantau Tomorrow project? I think, uh, first of all, we're delighted that the government finally coming out and saying that uh, they have found enough land for the public housing in the next 10 years. It, it shows the commitment and also the confidence of the government. But then if we take a little bit uh, more detailed look at the figures that the government mentions, uh, we, we found that it's uh, actually not easy for these projects to uh, come out online. Um, uh, let's take a look at the figures. Uh, the government is saying that um, they have found enough land for uh, 310,000 units of public, of public housing units in 10 years. Uh, in the past years, in last year, they said uh, the figure that they quote is 270,000 units. That means they have found land for the additional 40,000 units. Um, let's try to think about where the seas land come from. Obviously, uh, some of them is coming from brownfield. Uh, we estimated that uh, the eight brownfield clusters 
that has that was announced in last year's policy address can uh, produce 20,000 uh, units, and also 6,000 units would be from the uh, increase uh, increased uh, uh, productions of this Silho uh, One uh, depot. Another 10,000 plus would be from the increase in plot ratio uh, from the Tongchong East. And I think uh, not a lot of these projects can uh, come come through on time, especially on the eight brownfield clusters, which will provide 20,000 units. Uh, because we have been to uh, all of these uh, clusters, and uh, all of them will face uh, an array of difficulties. Do you mean uh, those in Yunlong? Those in Yunlong and Tumun. Uh, a lot of difficulties, including the transport connections and also the land ownership and also uh, the, the, the needs to relocate the operators on it. So, yes uh, and no. I mean, there's also the reclamation in Tungchung. Yeah, uh, that, that that doesn't have those kinds of problems that you that, that you mentioned. And there's rezoning. Uh, there's rezoning of sites in Kai Tak and Anderson Road Quarry. Again, that won't have those sort of problems that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, right. So uh, what I'm saying that is, uh, uh, what I'm saying that and, and funding golf course as well. Of course, of course. Uh, but what I'm saying that is, even all of all of these are done. It is it is not easy for the government to actually uh, come up to, to actually deliver. Uh, all of the two hundred, uh, three hundred and uh, ten thousand units. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, I still think the land up tomorrow vision is important because uh, it is actually a uh, long-term project. It is not looking at the next ten years, but it's looking at the next twenty or uh, thirty years. And um, we have done some math. Uh, we think in the next 30 years we will need uh, 9,000 hectares of land, whereas all the government committed projects combined can only produce uh, 5,000 hectares of land. So uh, the, the, the land how to provision is uh, still important in that sense as it creates an extra space uh, for uh, the city to you know, reduce its population density and also for people to have a, bit in, a better living environment. Of course, we've talked about this many times, but the situation now is we just can't afford something like that, can we? We just haven't got the money. Uh, well, I think we, we should look at this at two perspectives. One is, that's the project, uh, can the project pay for itself? Uh, that means if the benefits uh, outweighs the cost. And to me, it seems the answer is yes, uh, because uh, only uh, uh, if we look, if we only look at the monetary uh, figures. Uh, previously, the Hong Kong Institute of Surveyors has done an estimate and saying that the land sale itself can uh, produce uh, one trillion uh, Hong Kong dollars of receipt, which is already more than the six hundred billion cost estimate. By the government. So that is the first part. The second part is how can you, uh, given that it's, uh, re it's that's it, assuming that there's a high land price, but the whole idea is to lower the land price. What about yeah. the living sizes? Like, like, are we going to impose like a like a flat size, like minimum size, possible? I mean, we are looking at a lot of the flats only like two hundred uh, <laughs> square feet, and then they're selling for what six six seven million dollars. Well, I think that's uh, something that the government can think about. 
And I think the second part is how can you finance this project? And uh, we have met, uh, in the past we have many experiences that uh, the government can take on some of you know public-private partnership where uh, the private part can also contribute uh, the money and also the expertise to these kind of large-scale uh, development, which can reduce uh, the the, out, the initial outlay um, from the government. So without ensuring we we will have a better living standard and it, it is really not a very prominent plan to for, for, for Hong Kong people to say, okay, well, let's go ahead and do it. Well, well, I think to me, I think that is, uh, I mean, to well, me... What do we get out of it? I mean, I won't get out of it because yeah. I'll be dead by then probably. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, what my children, what will my children get out of it? Well, I think, I, I, I mean, uh, f- if, if you want to have a better living environment, if you want to have a, a larger uh, living space per capita, I think mm-hmm. the prerequisite is you have enough land and enough housing supply. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the uh, Land How to Grow projects can do. And that's the first step. The second step is you have to uh, consider different policies which can make sure uh, these good things happen. For example, you can maybe you can impose a minimum um, um, uh, size for the units, and you can impose uh, saying that you, uh, how many percentage of the land will be designated for open space. You know how many percentage of the land will be designated for GIC space. But these are all uh, policy discussions. Or you can also discuss you know how many percent of the housing will be for public and. Uh, they has to be affordable housing. All of these are uh, uh, policy uh, decisions that we can discuss. But the prerequisite of all of these is that we st- we need to have uh, the land for all of these to happen. Hmm. Uh, okay. Anything else? In the, uh, you mentioned the the the, the uh, this being uh, driven by infrastructure development. Um, is that applicable in other places, other areas of of Hong Kong as well? You think you talked about the right, of course. Uh, one one is the closer you know collaborations uh, between Hong Kong and also the GBA's areas. You know um, they are they are uh, discussing uh, you know the co-location arrangement of both the Lok Ma Chow and also the uh, Law Hu, and I think that's a good step because of. For the first point, you can uh, have a more convenient, you know, cross-border traffic. That's the first thing, and the second thing is you can also uh, release the land that is originally planted for the Lot Marshall uh, crossing point in the Hong Kong side, and we apportion it for other uses. For example, um, uh, uh, the the technology uses uh, in, to incorporate it with the Lot Marshall loop. Uh, so, and also the um, uh, closer collaborations with the Hong Kong airport and also the Zhuhai airport, and think is also another important uh, steps to uh, you know sort of foster the uh, 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 positions of Hong Kong as an international uh, 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 airport, uh, you know, air, air, air hub. So I think these two uh, in, uh, infrastructures or also collaborations between Hong Kong and GBA is also. Uh, one of the highlights in this policy address. Hmm. 
Well, Ryan, very thanks for joining us, uh, Head of Land and Housing Research at the Our Hong Kong Foundation, talking about the policy address. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Uh, well, one more comment, a couple more comments. Jay, in an email, says, Great, more housing in Tung Chung. There was plenty of housing in Tung Chung, but the property companies were keeping the prices high so they could sell it to uh, mainland Chinese. And Jay says, The problem was we're relying on construction too much to roll the economy. We need to find other alternatives. Uh, that is from Jay. Once again, our email address is backchat at rthk.hk, uh, but our phone number is 233-88266, and that's the number to call if you want to talk to the Chief Secretary for Administration, Matthew Chung, who will be with us in the studio between 8 and 9 tomorrow uh, to uh, talk about the uh, policy address, aspects of the policy address. And so you can talk to him directly between 8 and 9, the number 233-88266. Joining us now, uh, we have uh, Jerome Cohen, law professor at... Uh, New York University, faculty director of its US Asia Law Institute, adjunct senior fellow at the Council of uh, Foreign Relations. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit more about that uh, six monthly report on uh, Hong Kong covering the period of the first part of this year, issued uh, by the British government, the uh, Secretary for State, and in particular, the, uh, uh, its mention of the idea that uh, the, gov- the British government might uh, review uh, the uh, uh, British judges who sit on the as uh, non-permanent judges on the Hong Kong Court of Final Appeal. Professor Cohen, uh, good day to you, and thank you for joining us. What what about that idea? What would uh, what do you think of the idea of uh, Britain taking away those uh, non-permanent uh, judges? Those who were already retired and those who are currently serving uh, still as judges for the UK. Uh, Of course, the UK would have greater authority over the latter group because they're still working for the government. Uh, Whether the UK can stop retired judges from taking part in judging anywhere is a nice question, and I wouldn't think it's likely. Uh, There are indeed even questions about uh, the power of the U.K. to stop uh, their own serving judges. Uh, Some people say that raises a question under the joint declaration between the the two countries, China and the U.K., but uh, China has ripped up the joint declaration. And when two parties have a contract and one makes a fundamental breach, as China has now asserting comprehensive jurisdiction over Hong Kong, I don't think the UK has to be troubled uh, by telling its judges they may not take part uh, in the court of final appeal of Hong Kong. So uh, there are many international law issues here. China has an unusual view of uh, international treaties, a bilateral agreement between two countries. They say, we make an agreement. You do on day one what you're supposed to do. And even though we're obligated for 50 years to abide by a certain number of important conditions, it's none of your business. What kind of a contract would anyone make in those circumstances? Occasionally under fire from abroad, China has retreated from that argument but recently it's returned to it. 
Professor Cohen, uh, when you mention about threatening to resign, who like who's threatening them to resign? By particular, could you say that I couldn't hear what the question is? Yeah, when you mentioned that uh, the judges were threatened to resign, uh, what, no, what are I the pressures? You have this strange situation where you have the. Uh, uh, it, it seems the Hong Kong authorities want these want these foreigners, and the foreigners are threatening to to, to pull out. Uh, what if they did uh, leave? If the British government were able to stop, say, the serving judges from uh, serving on the uh, court of final appeal in Hong Kong, uh, what would be the implications? What would be the message sent to the world? for the 
And as I said, I'm not in favor of it. I think it's too early. But the fact that it now has been raised as a possibility has already had an impact. And China is going to take it on the nose in many ways because it deems what it's doing in Hong Kong to be a core interest and apparently sees no way to compromise but rather to continue this creeping control uh, over what was uh, supposed to be an independent court system. Look at what happened just now with respect to the ouster of the four Democratic members of LegCo. Normally, if something like that happens, if it's done to them by local executive branch, they would be able to go to local courts and contest it. Is it constitutional? Were proper procedures uh, followed? Uh, is there statutory authority for this? But now the NPC Standing Committee from Beijing has simply truncated all of that and really actually emasculated that. So if they do try to go to court, the court won't have jurisdiction. It's, it's been done. It's a good example of the way the NPC Standing Committee is now more and more running Hong Kong. This is comprehensive jurisdiction. Uh, this no longer gives the special administrative region of Hong Kong uh, its distinctive high degree of uh, autonomy. This is certainly not uh, giving the court a final appeal as it was given under the basic law, uh, the power of final adjudication. They don't even get the power of initial adjudication to be reviewed by Beijing. It's a fatical plea. Uh, some of the commentators also mentioned that the UK government should actually let those uh, judges to stay uh, rather than letting the rope go, like like letting um, letting them to leave, and there there will totally no monitoring of the whole situation. Um, it's more like they are giving up on ho- having Hong Kong have have the uh, one country and two system um, um, systems in in Hong Kong. So w- w- what do you what do you feel about that? Is, is it better for them to stay or, or leave? You know, right now, uh, in the lower courts, below, below the Court of Final Appeal, you have quite a few very able judges from many jurisdictions. Uh, under the basic law, only two judges have to be Hong Kong people with no foreign allegiance. One is the Chief Justice and the other is the Chief Judge of the High Court. And all the others have the most discrepant kinds of national uh, allegiance. I think that may be coming to a close. I think some will decide there's no future uh, staying in this business in Hong Kong. Uh, Some will be coerced out. uh, And there will be already, there are recommendations being made for a recruitment of a new type of judge, a judge who's patriotic, who thinks that uh, serving the party is more important uh, than the rule of law, etc., just the way judges are now uh, picked in China. Uh, I think there'll be a variety of efforts to assign judges who find people not guilty or worthy of bail or give them a light sentence, they may get assigned to non-litigation prospects. Uh, one of them has already, uh, who made a decision in Beijing, didn't like, he got pr- 
allegedly. What the promotion meant was he no longer could try cases as a judge in court, but he got a higher-paying administrative job. And now what we're witnessing is uh, judges are now going to be pressured uh, so that they'll be cherry-picked not only to deal with national security law cases, which the law already provides only certain judges will be approved to take part in prosecutions under the national security law, but there's an effort by the prosecution and the government in Hong Kong to say even in regular cases that have nothing to do with the national security law, formally speaking, uh, only certain judges should enjoy the confidence of the regime. Uh, the argument... Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, on that point, I heard some arguments regarding to uh, having a list of uh, judges only bec- uh, to, to judge on for the uh, national security law-related cases, uh, basically because they are more experienced, like, uh, and they, they, they say that is uh, a common practice to have a, a judges having more experience to so-and-so cases to handle that. Uh, well, do you have some comments on that? There's even been a suggestion that the normal process uh, of selecting judges by lot, not by intention, uh, to handle certain kinds of cases will have to be altered so that judges who enjoy the confidence of the government uh, will now be selected for certain kinds of cases. There are so many different ways that the administration of justice can be manipulated, many of them not visible to the public. And one has to rely on the Chief Justice of Hong Kong and the many righteous judges who are still clinging to traditional Hong Kong judicial independence. We were told before uh, the national security law was enacted that we could always rely on the traditional independence of the common law of judges. Now we see all of that is being uh, shrunk and uh, circumscribed. And one wonders at what point will the Chief Justice of Hong Kong, who's trying nobly to uh, hang on and make the best of a difficult situation, and other judges decide we've got to resign or threaten to resign in protest because this goes too far. We're not going to be parties to a sham. We're not going to have our previously distinguished careers soiled by going along with tyranny. Oh, this is a question they'll have to consider. And, of course, the Bar Association, which is such a distinguished and vigorous group, will be the next group under attack. But if you don't allow the courts to function independently, the Bar Association isn't so important because they've lost their forum for defending liberties. Here's a, an email finally from Bowen uh, on this, a listener on this uh, topic. Uh, Bowen, because we touched on this uh, in, in over the recent days, uh, Bowen says, what I meant to say in my email yesterday on the non-permanent judges and our call to final appeal was that those of them who were of foreign ethnicity were most unlikely to be included in the CE's list of uh, CFA national security judges. I hope this will be proved wrong, of course. Other than myself, Professor Michael Davis has also stated on Radio 3 he'd be most surprised if judges 
of foreign ethnicity would be included in the CE's list of national security judges, from the bottom at the magistrate's level all the way up to the CFA. Professor Simon Young from Hong Kong U has also urged the government to identify immediately which foreign judges would be entitled to sit in national security cases. In yesterday's show, Anna asked Mr Litton, Henry Litton, to explain what he meant by judicial wisdom. I wonder if in answering that, Mr Litton used a euphemism when he said the law had to operate in a social and political context, not in a vacuum. In strict common law terms, as Chief Justice Ma has said numerous times, judges are not expected to concern themselves with politics or social and economic considerations. Against the backdrop of many things I've heard Mr Litton say in the past, including his opinion regarding the Tong Ying Kit case, that judges shouldn't allow counsel to elaborate on their constitutional challenges when the subject concerns, for example, MPC legislations, which have been added to Annex 3, I suspect what Mr Litton was really suggesting was that our judges' decision-making had to be guided by an understanding of their inferior position and the real intention of the powers that be. As one commentator said, it seems unreasonable to suggest that judges should simply refuse to entertain any argument once mainland Chinese legislations are touched on, especially if it impinges on Hong Kong law and issues that the court has to decide in the case before it. After all, the court is not asked to rule on the validity of the mainland law concern, but its application in Hong Kong. This could legitimately include, for example, matters as to whether the procedures for promulgation or enactment of the law in Hong Kong have been satisfied in Hong Kong. The point is, if judges have to be so emasculated as to refrain from judging on anything which touches on a matter connected with any mainland law, sooner or later, judges will be obligated to reach certain conclusions despite what the law says in black and white or by necessary implication. Examples will presumably include Article 22 of the Basic Law and the recent controversy over separation of powers and the Basic Law. That is from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. And thank you to uh, Professor Jerome Cohen, a law professor at New York University, faculty director of the US Asia Law Institute and adjunct senior fellow of the Council for Foreign Relations. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Nixie. The weather, fine, dry during the day. Temperature's up to 28 degrees. The readings at the moment, the air temperature is at uh, 23 Celsius and the relative humidity is now at 77%. I will help fight the virus. I will protect Hong Kong. The government has launched the Leave Home Safe mobile app for everyone to download and keep visit records. Use the app to scan QR codes of venues taking part. Press the Leave button when you leave. Visit records will only be kept in your phone. If you went somewhere visited by a 